0: What does it mean to have Mary, in the mystery of her assumption, as our parish patroness? Every parish has a patron. The oldest churches, like the Church of the Nativity or the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, are built in the location of important events in the history of our faith. And so they take Jesus, or whomever was involved in that event, as their patron. Other ancient churches, like the Roman Basilicas of St. Peter and St. Paul outside the walls, are built over and around the bodies of great saints, and so they take these saints as their patrons. However, once the persecution of Christianity was over, and we did not have a martyr for every street corner, churches began to take patrons who were not associated with the place usually based on important saints or events of the time. One of the first Latin churches known to have Mary as the patron, for example, is St. Mary Major in Rome, which was dedicated to Mary shortly after the decision at the Council of Ephesus that Mother of God was an appropriate title for her. Because the United States has very limited Christian history and very few native saints, our church patrons are chosen almost exclusively based on the devotions of the founding members of that parish. When European immigrant communities would settle on these shores, for example, they would often dedicate their churches to their national or regional patrons, like St. Joseph, St. James, St. Patrick, St. Andrew, St. Francis, St. Anthony, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Stanislaus, St. Martin of Tours, and many others. Today, this practice continues with more recent immigrant communities dedicating their churches to Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Lorenzo Ruiz, St. Andrew Kim, St. Paul Miki, St. Andrew Dunlop, and the like. Because religious orders were also very involved in establishing the church in the United States, we will also see parishes like St. Ignatius, St. Benedict, St. Dominic, and St. Francis Xavier, among others. In the Archdiocese of Seattle, however, the first major phase of parish building happened during the late 19th and early 20th centuries which was a very devotional time in Catholicism. And this is why so many of our parishes have devotional names related to different aspects of Jesus and Mary. In the Skagit Valley where I was first assigned, for example, we had Immaculate Heart of Mary, Immaculate Conception of Mary, and Sacred Heart of Jesus parishes. Here in Bellingham, our parishes are Sacred Heart of Jesus, and Assumption of Mary. In addition to these names, you will also find Blessed Sacrament parishes and Holy Rosary parishes throughout the diocese, all of which were established during the same period of time. Again, these parish patronages reflect the devotions of the people at the time the parishes were established, either ethnic devotions or spiritual devotions of the era. What is incredible about our own parish is that Pope Pius XII did not declare the Assumption of Mary to be an absolute dogma of the faith until 1950, more than half a century after our parish was founded. It makes sense that the founders of our parish would choose Mary to be our patron. After all, Mary is the patroness of our country, and Marian devotion was especially high in the 19th century. But why would these founders choose a Marian mystery that was still technically debatable? What would have caused them to be so dedicated to the assumption of Mary that they would make it our entire focus? The easy answer is that even though it was not an official dogma until 1950, the Assumption of Mary has been a mystery of the Rosary for at least 500 years and has been preached on for probably another 500 years before that. Generations upon generations have meditated upon this mystery, and it would not have seemed that controversial an idea even before its status was made official. But this still doesn't address the question of why the Assumption of Mary is so compelling that it has been meditated on for centuries, and why our parish founders found it so important that they made Mary of the Assumption our patroness. So let's try to answer that question. Whenever we consider Mary, we should consider that, like her son Jesus, She is the example of perfected humanity. The difference between the two is that Jesus, being both fully human and fully God, is more of an agent of his perfection, while Mary is a passive recipient of hers. This is, for example, why Jesus is said to have ascended into heaven, a more active idea, while Mary was said to have been assumed into heaven, a more receptive idea. So Mary captures the imagination of Christians throughout the centuries because she shows us what our lives and our humanity would look like if we were completely and fully open to the graces God wishes to bestow upon us. When she was presented with the overwhelming mission of being the mother of God, she was so open to the graces of God that she responded with an unqualified yes. And when her son was sent to the cross, Mary was so open to the graces of God that she was able to suffer in perfect unity with her son, to the point that she is now called the Queen of Martyrs. And when her son rose from the dead, the grace of God was able to work through her so perfectly that she was able to announce this mystery of the resurrection in such a compelling way that she is now referred to as the Queen of the Apostles. What perfection of humanity, then, does the assumption of Mary show us? After the fall, God set in motion a plan, not simply to eradicate sin, but to recreate the universe in perfect love, to unite all of creation to himself in such a perfect manner that sin and death would be vanquished for all eternity. St. Paul addresses this in our second reading. When that which is mortal clothes itself with immortality, Then the word that is written shall come about. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? In his resurrection, Jesus inaugurated this new creation by conquering death. Death has been vanquished. But we, mere mortals that we are, only share in this victory. We do not conquer death by ourselves, but receive the victory of Jesus in us. And this is where the example of Mary is so important. In the Assumption of Mary, we see what it would look like for a human being to be so open to the grace of the Resurrection that she would become part of the new creation before the very eyes of the apostles. To be so transformed by the resurrection that she would be raised to heaven directly as her time on earth concluded, before decay ever touched her body. In short, we see in the assumption God's plan for all of us through his son Jesus. But in Mary, this plan is enacted immediately, because she was immediately open to the fullness of his grace. My friends, the patron of a parish is chosen for two purposes. First, that patron is continually asked to pray for every member of the parish. Mary's prayers are so powerful that choosing her feels a little bit like cheating. But who am I to question the wisdom of our founders? Second, a patron is chosen to inspire the people of the parish, to give them focus in the way they live out their Christian mission. In this, I think, we can find our marching orders. As members of Assumption Parish, we should be inspired to follow our patroness in her openness to the grace of God. We should be so receptive to the graces of the Lord that our lives are transformed, that we leave behind the old world of sin and death in favor of the new world of resurrection and life. Following the example of Mary, we should be so close to Jesus that his resurrection and victory shine through us at every moment, even and especially at the end of our time on earth. St. Mary of the Assumption, pray for us.